Let us go to God in prayer. O Lord, calm our hearts, our minds, open our ears, open our hearts. Help us to listen to your word this morning. Help us to understand what you're telling us in your message. We ask all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our passage this morning is from Luke, from the 11th chapter of Luke. And uh, as Vicki said, it's one of the main parts of this is the Lord's Prayer. So let us listen for a word from the Lord. He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, suppose one of, suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has, come, has, has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answered from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him what he asks, what he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who for your child, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Praying is something that we've all probably done since childhood. And I wonder, what was the first prayer that you ever learned or that you remembered? If I think back to my childhood, it might have been the Lord, um, God is great, not the Lord's Prayer, that came later. God is great. And we would say it at mealtimes, and I, we have passed that on generation to generation. And the other day at lunch, my three-year-old granddaughter said, we forgot to say God is great. And I thought, so she, is, she is, is knowing the power of that prayer. And when I think about lunch prayers or meal prayers, I think about Dogwood Acres. And if anybody has been to Dogwood Acres at a meal time or camp, you may have seen this. They have prayers written on large cloths, large pieces of fabric. And at mealtime, one of the, two of the campers will go pick one out 
hold it up before the group and all of the campers will say the prayer or sing the prayer sometimes. Those are great prayers and great things that, that we will remember forever, those prayers that we learn in childhood. Now, prayers come in many, many forms. And sometimes it's things like that that we memorize. Other times it's something more extemporaneous. Prayer is a spiritual discipline. It can be shared through music and movement and even in silence. Those are just a few ways. Each form provides special meaning for our spiritual growth and faith throughout our lives. Now our passage today shares the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And he asked the disciple, one of the disciples asked him, how do we pray? And he gives them the, the following example. Now the question is not asked as if they have no idea what prayer is, for that was part of their religious practice. And they knew John had prayed with his disciples and they had observed Jesus praying with his disciples. I think that they probably wanted to have a closer understanding and knowledge of Jesus and what prayer meant to him. And then be able to perhaps incorporate that into their own prayer life so that they might deepen their relationship with Jesus and strengthen their faith. So Luke gives us a version of the Lord's Prayer, we find another version of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. Matthew's version is a little bit more like what we say on Sunday morning. Luke's version is a bit briefer and more to the point. At the beginning of, of, of Luke's writing of the prayer, we, we, it's about God. The beginning of the prayer is about God, calling on God, praising God's name, and desiring that God's kingdom come and God's will will be done. Luke's prayer opens, Luke's version opens with, with simply father. In, in Greek, that's pater. And it means one who imparts life or is committed to it. It also can reference the Holy Father, the Heavenly Father. My Greek professor in seminary pointed out to us that when you, when you say pater, at the beginning of the prayer, it's, 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 it's deeply emotional. There's a lot of emotion in it, more like pater. You, and I mean, it's just something that you feel deep inside. I can't even say it without closing my eyes. I think that sets the tone for what the prayer is all about and how we should be praying it with feeling and meaning. Now, the second group of pleadings in the Lord's Prayer are about us. The people who are praying, it's about our needs and them being met. They named three areas of need, our daily bread, what we need to, to, for each day. They talk about forgiveness, and depending on the translation that you use, it may say as we ask for forgiveness as we forgive others, or it may say as we have already forgiven others. And it also asks for a protection of sorts. Uh, save us from the time of trial. Don't lead us into temptation. It's interesting that these statements are, these are written more like a statement um, to the point without any kind of um, softness of please do this. Um, Professor Douglas Hall speaks about that. This might give an image uh, for what the people are praying, what they're feeling. 
they don't need any flowery words. They just want to get to the point. I'm in need, and this is what I need. Hall writes that prayer is not a meek, contrived, and merely religious act. It is the act of human beings who know how hard it is to be human. Real prayer is not faked. Its, its only prerequisites are sufficient self-knowledge to recognize the depths of our need and enough humility to ask for help. As we identify our needs and we want to ask for help, we sometimes find we have certain fears about praying. We find ourselves uncomfortable. Now prayer in any form is communicating with God. That for me makes it more accessible. It makes it more comfortable. Yet so often we are concerned about our prayers, that they may not be good enough. We're afraid to pray in public or sometimes to pray with others because we feel that we don't pray as well as someone else, perhaps. Or maybe we don't have, we can't find the right words. We picture beautiful words and, and, and we just can't find them when it's time to pray. And if you feel this way, you're not alone. When I was a chaplain resident, one of my concerns was praying well with the people I served. But one of the things I came to understand was that it's not about me. It's about God and being present with God and the people in the room. Prayer is not about perfection. It's about connection and meaning. I need to say that to myself. It's not about perfection. It's about connection and meaning. One visit stands out in my mind, in my memories of, of, uh, of prayer for patients at the hospital. I was visiting a patient and her family. She was very sick. And when I, I prayed with them and when I left the room, I felt that I had prayed the worst prayer of all time. And I felt so bad about it. And I, and I, and I hated that I felt like I had not really helped them. However, the next day, I happened to see one of the family members outside the patient's room, and she shared with me how much she appreciated that prayer, that it was so meaningful for them. I appreciated that she shared that with me, and I was glad that it had been helpful, but I was so very surprised. I know that God was in that room that day with me, with this family, and God spoke the words that the family needed to hear, words that would be beneficial and meaningful for them. Romans 8, verse 6, 26, tells us that the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. So I'm thankful that God knows my weakness and God knows my limitations with prayer. And God knows what should be prayed, excuse me, what should be said at the right time and place. God's spirit makes our prayers what they need to be. And in verse 27, this reads, the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So whether we're praying with others or praying a personal prayer, our pleas are heard by God in accordance with God's will. Sometimes we also 
have concerns about whether our prayers are heard and whether they're answered. You may have heard that or felt that yourself. I didn't get an answer to that prayer. Also, during my time as a chaplain, I had the privilege of, of being with families um, in the midst of life and death. Those times are precious and holy, but they're also very difficult, deeply emotional, and stressful. When hospital staff call a code blue, the team for that code runs to the room and brings the equipment that they need, and they begin working uh, with the patient, helping them with what is, what, what is happening and what is wrong to make them feel better. In the hospital I worked, the chaplain was also a part of that team, and so I would go and be with the family during that time. It was at those times that I would listen and pray if the family wished. And typically I would call upon God's presence in that room, guidance for the medical staff. I would ask for calmness of heart and head, peace, strength, and for the patient's well-being and good outcomes. And I prayed all things according to God's will. In those times, we look for answers to our prayers. Sometimes the patient's vital signs would improve and joy and relief would abound. But other times, the patient was not able to be revived. And pain and loss and grief would consume each person's reaction in these situations is their own, unique to them. And sometimes they might ask the question, why? Why is this happening? And often they ask it, don't even expect an answer. It's just a chance to, to cry out to God, and a release of emotion. And I don't know that there is a good answer in those situations. I just know that God is with, with us through everything we experience. God knows what we're feeling and God weeps with us. God also can see the big picture. God knows and understands what we cannot understand and do not know. I think there are, therein lies the answer that we seek and the peace that only God can provide. We like to think that when we call upon the Lord in prayer that we will get the answer that we want as soon as possible. However, we all know that that is not often the case, or not always the case. I shouldn't say often. That is not always the case. Paul gives us an example of, of answers to prayer from his own experience in, the second in, the, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And he speaks about an ailment from which he suffers. He calls it a thorn in my flesh. And it greatly distresses him enough so that he prays repeatedly for it to be gone. God responds to him that my grace is sufficient for you. For power is made perfect in weakness. That may not have been the answer that Paul hoped to hear but it was what God knew was best. We don't always understand and maybe we don't always agree with the answer we receive, but we can have strength and hope knowing that we have God's grace and that, the pow that God's power 
is great and it's with us and it's working with us, even in our weakness, especially in our weakness. So our passage today, Luke includes two additional stories or two additional writings on prayer and he tells a story about a man who knocks on the door of his friend's house late at night and asks for bread that he might be ha- show some hospitality to his guests. Hospitality was a huge thing at the time of this writing and to not be hospitable was a great shame on your, on your name and on your home. So that was important. In the story, the friend refuses to come to the door and and gives him all kinds of reasons that he can't. But the man persists and he keeps knocking and keeps knocking and finally I think the friend does get up and help and gives him the bread. And this story begins with a question that is clearer in some translations than in others. The question is, who among you has a friend? Dot, dot, dot. It goes on for the verse. And Professor Matthew Skinner suggests that the meaning of that question is, could this happen to any of you? And the answer is kind of an automatic no. Of course a friend is going to help another friend, another person, when asked. And they're going to give what is needed to the best of their ability. The friend is not going to leave the man at the door stranded, alone and hopeless. Neither is God. God is going to give us what we need. That story also points to the importance of persistence in knocking, asking, and seeking. So the the next section, or the last section of this passage, is a familiar one, and it addresses that point. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Now the verbs in this, in this particular passage are, are, are action, uh, things that happen here and now. It's something that is happening now. And it gives the sense that someone is actively and persisting, persistently asking, searching, and knocking. We need to be actively and persistently in prayer as well. In Romans 12, we read, be persistent in prayer. And in 1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. We should keep on praying. I'm inspired by stories in life that people tell of their struggles and how they persevere toward their goal or toward the hope of a better future. Now, each one may have found the strength to be able to do that in different ways, but I often think that prayer is involved in in some of those at least. I believe in prayer, and not just because of the outcome or the answer, but for the process of praying. It is that connection to God when we're praying that sustains us, lifts us up, and gets us through. And we mustn't stop. When we're feeling lost, struggling to find our way, keep on praying. And when we're in that hospital room and we fear what is ahead, keep on praying. And when we're worried about our job or putting food on the table or having what we need to live, 
keep on praying. And when we feel alone for any reason, or when we feel like we need to give up, remember to keep on praying. And then watch and listen for God to respond, because that may happen in a variety of ways. It may be that you've prayed before, but maybe the answer didn't come as you expected. And as a result, sometimes we feel like prayer doesn't really work. Don't give up on prayer or the power of the process of praying, of that connection with God. Don't give up on that. Through the process, we may be able to see our situation in a different way, a new way, perhaps with a new light that shines on our path so that we can see the way to go. And as a result, we can begin to feel renewed hope for our future and greater desire to keep on praying, even if God's response is not what we want to hear in the moment. Remember, prayer is simply conversation with God in a variety of ways. Prayer is, is, it's for us. It's for our benefit. We need that conversation to live, to strengthen, to deepen our relationship with God. Let us always remember to keep on praying, knowing God hears our prayer and will respond according to God's will in a manner that is best for us. We may not always understand but we can trust God who does. To God be the glory. Amen.